Yeah, here's our big idea. The, the, here's where we're going tonight. We're talking about what it looks like, what it looks like to date like nobody else. And here's why, here's why, here's why I wanted to title it this. Because I think you see, I think you see a lot of dating relationships. And you look at them and you go, that doesn't seem healthy. That doesn't seem good. That doesn't seem like both people are benefiting. I'm not sure that's what God would want. But yet we find ourselves, even as Christians, dating just like everybody else. We, we, we Instagram just like everybody else. We Facebook just like everybody else. We pursue like everybody else. We think like everybody else. And that's a problem. That's a problem. And so what I want to talk about is what does it look like to date like nobody else? What does it look like to date in a way that ultimately honors God? We're, we're showing this screen a lot. Um, we're going to continue to show it throughout the series. Um, in two weeks, in two weeks, next week, um, I'm talking about singleness and marriage. Um, it's like the, I, I've never been more excited for a sermon than the one I'm excited for uh, next week. We're going to talk about singleness and marriage. Um, and then the week after, my wife and I are going to be doing a Q&A panel with you. And so um, we want to answer any of your questions. And so you'll see this up on our Instagram. You'll see it up here. Take a photo of it as I, I'm going to get to it in a few other slides. But make sure you text us any questions you want. The first one is anonymous. That first phone number, that's totally anonymous. Text us your relationship, sex, questions about dating, whatever. We want to answer those questions. But the second phone number, the second phone number is my personal phone number. And we want to recognize that sometimes the church has not done the best job of helping people who find themselves attracted to the same sex feel safe enough to open up and share. And it would bless me and it would be my honor if you find yourself attracted to the same sex, if you would text me so that we could meet up and we could talk. I promise you, as we sit down, the very first thing I wanna do is just hear your story. Before we talk about how God feels about sexuality, before we offer encouragement and Woo. I love that, that's awesome. Um, before we offer, what'd you say, Mel? Oh, cool, you guys are awesome. Um, before we ever say anything to you, all we wanna do is listen, all we wanna do is hear. And so if that's you tonight and, and you would love to open up and share, maybe you haven't shared it with anyone else, it would be my honor if you would text me and that will stay between us and we will go from there. Okay, here's a big idea. And actually this was developed. I was having a conversation with a student this week and this idea popped into my mind. It's this, God wants to use your relationship status as a platform for his glory. God wants to use your current relationship status as a platform for his glory. This is what it means to begin to think about dating and relationships like nobody else thinks about them. Because you see, the way we usually think about them is my relationship status, the ultimate goal of it, the ultimate purpose of it is for my benefit, for my joy, for my needs to be met. It's me, 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 or it's about me doing something for them, them, them. And yet what God wants to say is no, no, no. You need, to, you need to begin to think about your relationship status entirely different. This means if you're single right now, God has you in that relationship status so that it would be a platform for his glory. If you're dating someone right now, God has you in that status so that it would be a platform for his glory. What that means, 
is that God desires that every single thing about that relationship or about that single status would not be primarily your own needs and your own desires, but they would be a platform for you to share with the world that there is a God. This means that when you date like nobody else, when you care for each other like nobody else, when you have boundaries like nobody else, when you say no and everyone else says yes like nobody else, that you are ultimately choosing to use your relationship status as a platform for his glory. Here's another way to say it. Your relationship status is not your identity. It is a platform. Some of us, man, I mean, as soon as we get a boyfriend or girlfriend, all of a sudden we feel, oh, so secure. I feel like, oh, now I'm, I'm finally loved. I'm finally valued. I'm finally cared for. I'm finally worth something. God wants to say, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're worth something and you're valuable because I flipping created you, not because that boy thinks you're hot. That's not why. That because I created you in my image. It's not what that selfie shows. It's not what that post says. It's not what that boyfriend or girlfriend thinks that makes you valuable. It's that you are created in the image of God and that if you believe in him, you're one of his kids. You see, students, your, your relationship status right now, it is not your identity. It is purely a platform. I was talking with a student this week. Think about this in terms of your sport. The sport that you play is not your identity. It's a platform to point people back to Jesus. The talent or skill that you have is not your identity. It is a platform. It is an opportunity. It is a stage for you to show the world that you have a God who loves you and who has created you for his purpose. So as you begin to date and think like nobody else, you've got to look at your relationship status and say, okay, the point of this is not that I would sort of glean my identity, my worth and my value from this, but that I would view this relationship as an opportunity to tell people about how good God is. So then the question begs itself, is the relationship you're in or the one you're getting in going to point people to Jesus? You see how that's different? It's no longer like, is this the boy that I want to date? Or is this the girl I want to date? Or is this relationship what I want? You have to ask a bigger question. Is me getting into this relationship, is me being in this relationship ultimately a platform that God is using? Or is it ultimately against what he would desire? So dating, here we go. There's nothing in the Bible about dating. Maybe you didn't know this, but there is nothing in the Bible about dating. You can't find it. It just wasn't a part of the culture back then. In fact, I've talked about this a little bit before, but basically kids at a very early age, uh, families would say, hey, my son should marry your daughter. Like uh, when they were little, little kids. And that was called, uh, that was called the engagement stage. And then there was a betrothal stage where they were, they were legally viewed as a married couple. They just didn't live together. And once the man built an extension onto his father's house, then he would marry the girl and she would move in and they would be considered husband wife. And so this idea of like dating, this idea of like hookups and stuff, I mean, it just wasn't a part of the culture, but there is a lot in the Bible about relationships. Now I say this all the time to you guys, and I just don't think anybody gets it or listens or they're like, no, my feelings are driving everything. No, think about this. Think about this idea. You can't always choose who you are attracted to. I get that. That's a true statement, right? Some of you, some of you, you're attracted to somebody that you absolutely know is bad for you. 
I mean, you've seen that boy or that girl create a train wreck in every other relationship they've ever been to, and yet something is, you're like, he's so hot, you know? Like, you just, you can't stop thinking. You're just so crazy about that guy or that girl. Here's the thing. I want to give you an out right here. I, I, I want to give you, I want to give you, um, I want to give you some freedom, and then I want to challenge you, okay? I want to give you the freedom to understand that you can't always control who you're attracted to. But sometimes you just find yourself attracted to somebody, okay? But, but, there's a big but, okay? You don't have to date everyone that you're attracted to. In fact, students, you get to choose who you date. I mean, it, it, literally, you're, you're not just, you don't just go from being attracted to somebody to all of a sudden, like, they're your bae and every profile pic, you've got the heart with their name next to it, and you're like, we're going to get married soon, or like, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen just like in one step. There's multiple steps in students. Right now, I'm going I'm to talk to a bunch of different groups tonight. There's some of you that I want you to hear me very clearly. Right now, you are attracted to somebody that you know God will not use that relationship for his glory. You know that that relationship is bad for you. You know that you need to run for the hills and you're like, but she's gorgeous and she likes pizza and so do I. And, and you're thinking, this thing's going to be amazing. This thing's going to be amazing. I want to tell you, students, students, please, 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 please. Take more ownership of your life. Some of you go, I don't feel like I can control anything. Everyone tells me I got to go to school here. I got to do this. I got to do that. Take control and recognize that you can actually choose who it is that you date. So let me go back to our big idea. Is the person you're attracted to and maybe the person you're choosing to date, ultimately, ultimately, is that relationship going to be used as a platform for God's glory? If it's not, steer clear. If it's not, it's not worth it. What I want to talk about is just for a few minutes is the four steps to date like nobody else. And I want you to write this down. Some of you are like, my parents said I can't date till I'm 35. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's going to be Brinley, Charlie, and Lila's rule. I mean, they are never going to, that's absolutely, I totally get that. So you're like, this doesn't even apply to me. Just write this down for when you're 36. Okay. But some of you, some of you are seriously thinking about dating and we need to talk about this. Yeah. Oh, do you want to have a conversation right now? Please just like chat. Hi, David. I love you. David wanted to ask a little question. Um, number one, number one is this. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. David, can you read that scripture for us? Read that Hebrews one for us. Read it loud. Stand up. Sorry, you, you started talking, so we're going to talk. Stand up and read that, read that verse for us as loud as you can. You are. You did great. You're doing really great. You got three words in. Keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah, just read the next one. Why don't you sit down? Kyle, why don't you go ahead and stand up for us? Kyle, stand up and read that for us. Read that for us. You do. It was really good. Good job, guys. Good job. Good job. Good job. Step number one. Step number one. If you want to date like nobody else, if you want to have a dating life that is not full of baggage and regrets and drama and past issues, the very first thing you've got to do is you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. If you are not tight with Jesus, do not try to become tight with somebody else. And I'm just telling you guys as Christians right now, I'm telling you as Christians, right now is the season, right now is the time to fix your eyes on Jesus. 
don't worry. I mean, here's the thing, you guys, and I know some, some of you are dating in this room and you're like, Eric, we're going to get married. 99% of you are not going to get married with that person, okay? It's just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Now, every once in a while, Sarah and I, we met in high school youth group. We were sitting on opposite sides. I was like a snowball and she was a goddess. And we never, we never really, we never like, in high school, she would kind of avoid me because I smelled weird. So, so we didn't really have that thing going on in high school. But honestly, honestly, chances are really, really high. Chances are really, really high that you will not end up with that person. But the important thing is that right now you focus on building that relationship with Jesus. Because here's the thing. The person that you ultimately want to date, and if God has marriage for you, the person that you ultimately want to marry is going to be somebody who is crazy in love with Jesus. And if they spent their whole high school years being crazy in love with this boy or this girl, that's going to get in the way of them being crazy in love with Jesus. And so students, first step is fix your eyes on Jesus. Number two, check the price tag. Many of you have heard me tell this story. It's one of my favorite uh, stories in the world. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and her sister, Jenny, were shopping at Anthropology. Has anyone ever been to Anthropology before? You ever shopped there before? Really? You've been to Anthropology? That's awesome. Okay, um, then you know, then you know, you know that a candle is a $6,000 purchase. It's so expensive there, right? So Sarah and all of her sisters are buying, you know, they're trying on all these sweaters and they're falling in love with them. And then they're checking the price tag and they're like, oh my gosh, I can never ever afford this. And they're having this heartbreak. And then Jenny, Jenny turns to me and she says, check the price tag before you try it on. It'll save you a lot of heartache. Now, I understand this idea sounds judgmental, okay? I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't love that person that you're attracted to and interested in. I'm not saying God won't win their hearts, but missionary dating is a horrible idea. It's a hor- I'm so sorry. Did I offend you, Mia? Are we okay? It was like Satan came out of you. That was wild. That was really, really scary for me. Um, okay. Missionary dating. Missionary dating is a horrible, horrible idea. And here's what you need to do, students, students. If you want to date like nobody else, before you ever begin a relationship with that boy or that girl, I want you to really evaluate whether there's somebody that's going to move you closer to Jesus. Are they somebody that God would use your relationship as a platform for his purposes and his glory? Is this somebody that's going to ultimately lead you closer to Jesus? I love this, uh, this passage from Proverbs. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Gentlemen, if the only thing that is drawing you to this girl is that she looks like your favorite celebrity or you happen to think she's really cute or all the other boys like her, you're missing it. Proverbs says, focus on the beauty that comes from the life that she lives or, or focus on that amazing person that that young man is and begin by building that friendship. Friendship is the best way to determine if you are a good match. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to say it later, but I'm just going to say it right now. And I tell you guys this all the time. And like two of you have applied this. Okay, so I get it. Join the majority. But if you want to date like nobody else, students, if you are interested in somebody, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Be friends with them, like really good friends with them for six months. Yes, half a year, half, it's gonna feel like your lifetime. Spend six months 
building that friendship before you date them. Because I think that in those six months, what you are going to determine, what you are going to discover is whether that person is a good friend, whether that person really cares about you, whether that person is someone that you admire and respect. I've told you guys this before. The sole reason I married Sarah, like the sole, like at at, at its core, the reason I married Sarah, Sarah's like, what's he going to say? The reason I married Sarah, the reason I married Sarah is because that woman is like the most admirable incredible human I have ever met in my whole life. And I was like, if I just got to be in a vicinity of her, like within a five mile radius of her, I'm going to be a better person. Like God is going to do work in my life through her. She just like exudes the spirit of God everywhere she goes. But I discovered that. I discovered that it is Valentine's day. I love you, babe. Happy Valentine's day. Um, I discovered that. I discovered that through pursuing a friendship with her. Sarah and I were in our 20s, I guess. We're in our 20s. And I wanted to date her so bad, but we pursued friendship first. We really got to know each other. We talked a lot. We texted. We learned about each other's hearts. We got to know each other's friends. And we pursued that friendship. And that was so critical and important for us. So I'm going to give you five signs that they actually care about you. Maybe you're asking, how do I know that that person cares about me? Here are five signs. Shh, five signs they care about you. They are more concerned with your heart and less concerned with how you make them look. They're more concerned with your heart than they are how you make them look. Number two, they stick with you when others bail. They're willing to hang out with you when you're not at your best. I mean, Sarah and I have had some of these amazing conversations, even recently, where either of us were just at our worst, and we got to look at each other and just say, I love you, and I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. There's an incredible thing that comes when two people say, when a man and a woman say, you know, I'm not leaving. I'm not going to bail. Number three, they speak positively about you in public or with other people and lovingly challenge you in private. If that person is like trying to be really cool by like dogging you all the time and making fun of you, that's not cool. That's not cool. But if they're always telling you everything you want to hear and and they're not willing to be honest with you about the ways that you could grow or become better, that's a problem. Number four, they are honest with you. They are honest with you. This is a sign that they care about you. They are actually honest with you. And then number five, they respect you in public, in private, and over text and social media. I said this so many times, and I'm just going to say it again. If anybody ever, ever, ever asks you for a nude pic or asks you to do something that you are uncomfortable, that crosses a boundary, that steps into sexual immorality, which is, which is a, uh, a sexual experience outside of God's intention for marriage, if somebody ever asks you for any of that, that's an immediate block, that's an immediate delete, that's an immediate remove them from your life because they don't care about you. I remember I've told some of you a story before, but I was driving to Sarah's house once and, and I was like, God, help, give me something funny to tell her. Give me some, give me some a great story or I want to I impress her. And I was driving and I felt like God said this to me. I felt like he said, Eric, I don't want you to focus on impressing her. I want you to focus on respecting her, on respecting her. Ladies, if he is not respectful of you, if he does not honor you, if he does not treasure you, If he does not treat you in a way that would make your parents proud, run for the hills. Run away from them. 
A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. What does it mean to discern? To look closely with full attention, to perceive, to distinguish something with difficulty by sight. Use discernment in this friendship stage. Here's some questions to consider. Here's some questions to consider. Does this person that you're interested in, does this person love Jesus? What do the Christian adults in your life think? What do your Christian friends think? Check out this verse from Corinthians. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? I love you and I'm not gonna make eye contact with any of you because I know I've had this conversation with so many of you so just don't look at me. Um, But I always ask you whenever you come up to me and you're like, I'm dating someone, you know, and you're, and I'm, you're like, and you're so happy and you're so full of joy and you're like, I got a boyfriend, I got a girlfriend, aren't you so happy? And we're like jumping up together and we're dancing together. And the first question out of my mouth is always the same thing. It's like, are they a Christian, right? Like, do they love Jesus? And I love your responses. There's, it's always this. The response is always like, well, his, his cousin's mother, his cousin's mother had a child that was baptized Catholic. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's a Christian, right? I hear this from you guys all the time. It's like Abraham Lincoln was his distant eighth cousin. So yeah, of course, you know, and maybe Honest Abe was honest. Who knows, right? I mean, it's, you're just, you're, you're, your answers are insane to me. Students, I'm just telling you, if they don't love Jesus, if they don't just love Jesus, they don't love Jesus. There are going to be so many challenges. Now, no, no. I know couples. I know couples who got together. One was Christian, one wasn't. And God worked through that. And that's awesome. I also know a lot of couples who got together with the idea that, man, the girl said, I- I'm, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. He's not. Eventually, he's going to come around. And he has yet to come around. So students, while you have the choice, I want to challenge you choose somebody who loves Jesus so that when you talk about the physical boundaries, when you talk about the priorities, you guys are on the same page. Here's two questions I want you to think about. Am I mature and ready for this? This is a really important introspective question to ask. That as you're about to get into a relationship, ask this question, am I mature enough and am I ready for this? Not do I feel this, because you already feel it, absolutely. It's all you're thinking about but are you mature and actually ready for this? And then number two is even a harder question. Are they mature and ready for this? You may be in a really great place with the Lord. You may be really mature, but if they're not, it's not gonna end well. And so asking those two questions is really, really important. Number three, be intentional, be intentional. In the beginning, give God the opportunity to say no or yes. I want to challenge you students that as you're beginning to get in a relationship with somebody, if you really want your relationship to be like nobody else's and to glorify God, you've got to be willing to ask the question, God, are you okay with this? God, is this okay? Number two, get your parents' opinion and permission. This is huge. This is huge. Don't date behind their backs. If your parents don't know that you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, that's a problem. That's a problem. You need to talk with them. Make sure you get their buy-in. Number three, know what you want to say. When you're thinking about that person and, and, and you're about to start talking to them about how you feel about them, be honest and know what it is that you want to say. Make it meaningful. Number five, commit together to making Christ the center. This is the best thing you can do in the very beginning of the relationship before you're tempted to push the boundaries to make Christ the very center. Number six, establish physical boundaries. 
Just have the conversation say, we are not moving past holding hands and a hug. That's just what we're doing. And, and I'm telling you, nobody else is doing this. this. We're talking about dating like nobody else. Number seven, honor each other, which brings glory to God. And then number eight, share your decision with at least one adult. Share your decision with an adult. I love this uh, quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, a woman's heart should be so close to God that a man should have to chase him to find her. That'll preach. That's good, right? A woman's heart should be so close to God that a man should have to chase him to find her. I drew up this really fancy triangle. Um, I thought this, I thought this was really profound. So I want to share it with you guys. Um, this is the goal. This is the goal. Sarah and I talked about this when we were dating. This is the goal. Is that as you come closer together, you're coming closer to God. Soon, so I want to ask you, if you've been in a relationship for a really long time, over the last six months, are you closer with Jesus? Because if you're not, then you need to evaluate. And is this relationship that you're about to get into... Is it one that's focused? Because here's the thing, here's the thing. Sarah loves when I say this. We always talk about this. We won't be married forever. We always say that kind of stuff. That's not biblical. We won't be married forever. That when you die, when you, Jesus says there's no marriage in heaven. And so even this marriage is pointing towards something larger. It's pointing towards eternity with Christ. And so if that's where you're going to spend eternity, if that's what eternity is going to be about, make that the pursuit of your dating as well. And lastly, what's your game plan? Ask one adult and one friend to hold you accountable. Be honest with them. Let them speak truthfully to you. Here should be your three focuses as you're beginning a relationship. Number one, seek Jesus first. Seek Jesus first. This new person is not a substitute for God in your life. Seek Jesus first. And then number two, keep your friends close. Every one of us have had those friends who all of a sudden, as soon as they started dating someone, it's like they changed their phone number. They moved to a different country. They don't even speak English. Like you just, and you never see them anymore. You never see them anymore. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Keep your friends close. And number three, make sure that you are honoring God with your relationship. Um, do not have time for that. Here's afraid of relationships. Maybe some of you are going, I never want to be in a relationship because something ended poorly. That's all good. Singleness should be prized, not pitied. Here's what's crazy. If you actually read the Bible, if you actually read the New Testament, singleness is prioritized and valued way higher than marriage. It's kind of depressing, but basically Paul says, hey, I wish you were single, but if you can't handle that, then get married. Like that's kind of what he says. So you see the, the idea, and, and you think about Jesus and Paul, like kind of big deals, kind of launched the church, kind of had a significant world history impact. Both of them single. Both of them never had sex. Both of them didn't have relationships. And yet God used them in incredible ways. And so singleness, singleness if you're single, that's not a problem. In fact, oftentimes that's where God could use you even more. Number two, learn from the great relationships around you. Students, the best thing you can do is find your leaders or other people who you admire their relationships and ask them lots of questions. Ask them, how did they, how did, how did they get that kind of relationship? What kind of things do they do to maintain their relationship? And then lastly, time is your friend, not your enemy. Some of you are about to go off to college and you're literally like, the clock is ticking. I've got four years to find my husband. I got four years that's it. That is dangerous. That is dangerous. Don't fall into that trap. But know that time 
is your friend. So students, your relationship status is not your identity, it is your platform. Here's what I want you to do with your remaining smarter time. And guys, I'm promising you, literally, next week, we are ending at 7.50 and you are getting your small groups. I absolutely promise you, I absolutely promise you. But with the little time that you guys have, with the little time that you guys have, I want you to pick up your takeaway. I want you to pick up your takeaway and it says this. When considering who to date, my three non-negotiables about that person are, and here's what I want to say. Maybe before you heard me talk tonight, you would have written in three different non-negotiables. But now after this discussion, I want you in your small group to fill out what would be, what are those three non-negotiables for you? My hope is that it's they love Jesus. It's that they're passionate about God that they want your relationship to honor Christ, that they're kind, they're loving, whatever, whatever you want to write on here. And then I want you, I want you to keep this up. I want you to take a photo of it. And as soon as you're attracted to somebody who doesn't hit these three, choose not to date them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful for just this community. I'm so grateful for this group of students. What a blessing it is. What a blessing it is. Lord, I ask that as we're thinking about what it means to date like nobody else, that Lord, you would help us to make some commitments now, to make some choices now that set us up for a relationship in the future that would be a platform for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey.